Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies both new and old with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right, and to avoid any lazy negativity, we're making this a drinking game. Any negative negative criticism (laughs) about a film is absolutely allowed, but you will be called out for it, and you'll have to take a drink every time. So pour yourself a glass, join us, and give it up for, uh, well, where are we in the bracket this week? What are we doing, Jeff? Uh, we are in our Corona franchise face-off, and we are in our second episode, which is our two-seed against our 15-seed. God damn it. <laughs> Just every single time. But before we introduce the, the two trilogies or franchises that we'll be discussing this week, I'm going to kick it over to John to give a shout-out to our beer sponsor. All right. As usual, we're going to thank Mr. Carlos Barroso, our beer sponsor, once again. We do not have his beers in our hands, which I'm very sad about, but we are missing him. We are sending him and his family love. He is still over there in New York. Uh, give him a follow on Instagram. The handle is Bar 2019 That's C-B-A-R-O-Z-Z-O-2019. And as usual, the music you hear on this podcast is by the artist Dasein. That's D-A-S-E-I-N. If you want to follow him on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Well, you're Australian too. I had no idea we had two Aussies. <laughs> yeah, go ahead oh and give him a follow. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've been so we've been, we're living in the age of coronavirus right now, as many of you uh, know, and those of you who don't, please turn on the television. Um, Dave, I noticed that you started watching Tiger King. I did. I, we we got one episode in, and it was deemed in my apartment we can do one episode a day because we just can't take that much crazy. Wait, so where are you right now? Because I was going to ask you about something in it. Uh, no, we've literally watched episode one. Oh my gosh. I was going to yeah, ask no, you, no, we're, we're... there's a part where a film person um, loses footage because they didn't have it backed up. And my first thought was Dave, this is literally Dave's nightmare. Is somebody like losing their footage <laughs> and they didn't have a backup? <laughs> I don't know I'd be more worried about losing a hand, frankly, if I was filming what they're filming. Oh, I nobody, every, <laughs> so Somebody's watching it at, at my place too. And every now and then I'll just like look over and catch a glance and why don't these people wear shirts or pants in their interviews? <laughs> Guys, <laughs> it is worth every second of it. Those questions are the bare minimum of what's going to be through going through your heads. Like it is so worth every single bit of it. I can't recommend it highly enough. What a cast they, of characters. Do you think they planned the release something that ridiculous and absurd? The, you know what? It's so <laughs> funny. This question keeps coming around a lot and I don't know, obviously I don't know, but if I were Netflix and I looked at this, I would sit there and I would say, we need to make sure this goes out at the right time. <laughs> like making a murderer I mean, even, came out at the perfect the, time. Even the filmmaker himself has said, I, I never expected it to turn into this. Yeah, and he was like filming. He had a completely completely different documentary in mind when he started. Yeah, and there was another filmmaker who I was talking about before who's in, who gets interviewed, who lost some of that footage, who was filming it as a reality show. So this is like two projects and five, six years in the making this thing. It is, like, you sit there and, you, like, I kind of wonder every now and then, are we out of ideas? Did we run out of documentaries to make? <laughs> Did we run out of subjects? And I'm sitting there because I saw, he was on John Oliver. You'll get there in the series. John, there's a John Oliver clip that they show. And I'm like, how... How is there not a documentary about every single character out there like this? Like, I don't understand how there's more to find. Well, after this, there might be because they're talking about um, actually making biopics for some of them. Oh, my gosh. Of course. But the docuseries know, is the right? best because that's like Stranger Than Fiction type thing. Anyway, that's that's what there's, we've been there's doing. There's actually for an online feud going on between Bryce Dallas Howard and Jessica Chastain. 
over who gets to play her. In, oh yeah, <laughs> play one of the characters. What a weird, weird fucking time we live in. Also, that reminds me, there's a parental advisory in this episode. So if you're a child that I teach voice, you are my favorite student. I promise. But be careful. We might say some really dirty not language. We might we might use some some nasty big words. <laughs> some not language. Look out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're going. How much up. does that student suck? <laughs> Fluffy. Um, I'm also in my childhood home, so I'm hoping my dad has gotten a lot of shit in the past couple episodes for these advisories. We're like, if you're yeah. dad, don't listen to us. I, I have a feeling he's going to come in. He can't hear you because I'm all listening on my headphones, but he might make an entrance. We'll see. All right, I think it's time to move like, on. Well, yeah, what? Why did your dad leave the house during the quarantine? Well, Jeff was recording a podcast, and I couldn't take the fucking language he anymore. He couldn't take it. He pulled a full Tiger King and just walked right into the the fucking tiger den and said, "Screw it." Here's my arm. I'm gonna put some. I'm gonna put some cologne on my shoes. Just take me. Okay. Jesus fucking Christ. So Corona franchise face off. We decided to do this. We didn't realize that podcast listening was gonna be down like crazy during this time period. But movie watching, Netflix watching, and Zoom use, but more specifically, movie watching is way way up. So we figured people would be tuning in to watch some franchises, some trilogies. So we started doing our franchise face off. Um, it started out as trilogies, and then we opened it up to franchises. Last week, our number one seed, the Lord of the Rings trilogy specifically the extended editions, the director's cuts, if you will. Um, Uh Our number one seed did advance. It did advance, (laughs) even though it had half a no vote, I believe, by Dave. Um, It advanced (laughs) over the Cornetto trilogy, um, which is Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Rest in peace, Cornetto trilogy. Is great. And what's funny is we have another comedy going up against our two seed. And I've been getting I've been getting some shit about our seating because, for instance, yeah. we oh, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, let's talk about that. that was amazing. We don't. Well, we should do a whole separate episode about this. I but, was like, yes, we have internet trolls. We've made it. Yeah, we have internet trolls. Well, first of all, I, the, the the formatting came out a little cr- a little cranky on my my original version of the thing, but I redid it. And some people are so fucking mad that the Dark Knight trilogy is not on our list. And I was like, Ooh, you know what? Shit. Yeah, the Dark Knight trilogy is not in our list. <laughs> and Dude, let's just call it what it is. We didn't, we didn't we, we totally forgot about that. Yeah, we that. forgot. We didn't list it when we Yeah, we forgot. Now, here's what I would say. I still think it wouldn't win, wow. but um but it would yeah, we forgot about the Dark Knight trilogy and I got some shit about it. I do. I got, oh, I feel bad about that. Yeah. We got a lot of stands about some other stuff too, but I like that we we, we gave comedies a lot of um Yeah. A lot this of is what love. I keep saying. Like I I'm hearing a lot about Indiana Jones. We're getting a lot of flack about that. This is what I keep saying. We we talked listeners and we decided that if there were some ones in, that were going to land in the middle that we knew weren't probably going to win, then we decided to throw some fun comedies in there because one, the conversations are going to be hilarious trying to compare them against like actual trilogies. And two, we're trying to shine some light on some things that maybe you wouldn't. How many people even knew what the Cornetto trilogy was before last week? Probably not everybody John, who knew John, what John. Lord of the Rings we don't have was. To, we don't have to justify ourselves to these people. Fuck the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. actually been Dave's. Because the whole time, because I was like, I rewatched, I rewatched um, Last Crusade last, like in the summer. It was on Netflix. And I was like, cool. And I rewatched Last Crusade, Crusade and I didn't even get through it. And so I'm talking to Dave. I'm like, I know people say this is good. And Dave's like, fuck it. This is our trilogy series. And we were no, like, it's okay. not good. And Temple of, come on, Temple of Doom? That, that movie not, sucks, yeah. dude. Also, it just, <laughs> not good. It just, they just didn't age well. The humor is very, it, it, it really feels like like our grandpas are laughing and like the younger generation. It just didn't, it just, they just didn't, yes, yes, for sure. Um, um, what's the first one called? Jesus Christ. The, Raiders, uh, is, yeah, yeah, Raiders, Raiders is, is good. Raiders, Raiders is good. Sure, sure, sure. Raiders is great. Steven Spielberg's a genius. George Lucas, shout out. Harrison Ford. But ultimately, 
we went with Harry. <laughs> Somehow Austin Powers tops it in our ranking. And yeah, Austin, yeah, Powers, so Austin Powers is our 15 seed and it's going up against the first series that we'll talk about tonight, which is the Godfather Trilogy. That is our two seed, the Godfather Trilogy. That's and, right. We're actually doing this. Yeah. So anyway, so all you all you stands for Indiana Jones or what, what else we got? Alien, RoboCop. All you stands for fucking the Land Before Time. Get the fuck out of here, right? This is our trilogy. This is our Land series. Before time. And you know There's what? Like Land Before Time. Put Land Before Time up against the Godfather trilogy, and let's see what wins. Now put <laughs> put Austin Powers up against the Godfather trilogy, and now we're talking. All right. So let's yeah, start. Now with, we got to fight. Let, let's start with the Godfather <laughs> trilogy, and I am very self aware that the last thing the internet needs is three dudes to talk about how good the Godfather trilogy is. But <laughs> as far as rewatchability, my dad. And I'm at my family home in New Jersey right now to escape quarantine. I didn't realize when I left New York City that might be the last time I ever see it. <laughs> I left two. I left. I left before they shut the schools down. Like I left a long time ago just to get away for a week. And now I'm like, oh my god, I wish I brought another pair of contacts. I've been wearing the same three pair of underwear and the same four shirts. Um, anyway, my dad and my, the rest of my family was really excited. You were in underwear. They're, <laughs> they were really excited to rewatch The Godfather. So this is a good time to put nine and a half hours, or whatever, into <laughs> The Godfather. It's five hundred and thirty-nine minutes. Yeah, and, five hundred and thirty-nine minutes. I wish HBO still had it where they did it in order. So they put the De Niro scenes first, and then one, and then whatever. Anyway, I've been yapping. Who would like to start talking about The Godfather? I don't even well, know where I, to begin. Go ahead. I, I, I. Dave led us off uh, at the end of the previous episode saying that he had not seen these before. So I'm, I've been really anxious to hear about what your your experience was like watching these for the first time. First of all, I'm always curious when I meet people like you. How did you so skillfully avoid seeing it for this long? How did you How did you not well, watch it? It's it's easy. When it popped up, I just clicked on something else. It was like, <laughs> I'd. I, I was I was honestly constantly hearing about how these were the movies and, you know, the sequel is better than the first one and the third one sucks. So they, this was all the mythology built up around this. And I, I watched them and I was like, okay, The Godfather is a good movie. It's not exactly a well-made movie, but it's a good movie. Buzz, buzzer, you did. Buzzer. Buzz, buzz, buzzer. Buzz, buzzer. 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 You just said the Godfather's not a well-made movie. Buzz yourself, you asshole. You motherfucker. Keep going. Keep going, bitch. No, don't stop. This is why we drink, so that Dave goes on rants. And then I got to part two, and there were some amazing highlights. Like, De Niro is a fantastic performance, like, in the second one. And... Most of the time, I was like, okay, we're an hour and a half in, and I'm kind of done. <laughs> Wait a second. You just said it wasn't that well made, but the second movie is where it started to pick up. You really, the first movie, it just, it was too dark. It was, what, what is no, it? No, the first, the first movie was great. There were some fantastic, phenomenal performances. Yeah. Um, there were just things like the entire wedding scene at the beginning was overexposed. And I don't think that was on purpose because everything else in the film was exposed perfectly. I think, I think it was an error somewhere, but they, they used it in the movie. <laughs> Huh. I'm on eight percent beer, you guys. Yeah, I know. And is that a pint can? Is that a full pint can? Yeah, <laughs> oh it was. <laughs> um, and there, like, there were some great character introductions during that scene. The scene itself was amazing. The story development, everything throughout the the course of it, the, the story was fantastic. I just didn't like some of the filmmaking techniques. I feel like the first scene could have been accomplished. It took what 35 minutes to get through the wedding where you were introduced to everyone and i could it could have been done in 20 wow <laughs> i guess i'm not surprised and it, uh, yeah i mean 
I really dug um, Luca, the character of Luca, the bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> I found his performance really, really oh, genuine. And, and then, yeah, then I, well, then oh, I found out that it, it, it was actually 100% genuine because he was so nervous about acting opposite him that he flubbed his lines and they left yeah. it in. Which, I mean, that kind of genuine thing really, like, got me through. I loved all the Sicily stuff. I loved, like, the scene, the infamous scene in the restaurant where there's no Uh. subtitles. And I understand the reason for that. And, it like, I thought that was great. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, the the start, the beginning of it lost me a little. And then it came good and I was I was hooked. And then I got to the second one and they started bouncing back and forwards between the two storylines. And I was just like, I, I, yeah, I'm loving all the Robert De Niro stuff, but we could just lose that whole other thread. <laughs> so right, why don't we a... pass it on to John? <laughs> oh, okay. So this is a, you know, it's this is the thing that people often come back to when they talk about the Godfather, even hardcore fans, is that I think oftentimes Marlon Brando eclipsed the production with the first one so much that people think when you say The Godfather, you think you're talking about Marlon Brando. But this whole saga is about Michael Corleone. It's about Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, because I used to feel that way when I was when I was like a kid and I was getting really into these movies. Number two, you're it's almost impossible not to be more compelled by the flashback stuff because you invested so much into the, the mythos of brando's godfather in the first one and you're kind of it's almost like michael is the surrogate for us like we're kind of getting to see the world from his point of view which is which is interesting but um you you just so desperately want to know how brando came to power and came to rise however the more i watch it the more the more i appreciate michael's story and it obviously i mean it's it is tough when you're going back and forth, and that is a really, really long movie, the second one. I mean, that is three hours and 22 minutes, I think. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I've i loved these movies forever. I, I don't like number three. I am one of those people who is in that camp I, who just... I agree with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's just... same. Everyone, so many people are in the same boat, too. I mean, uh, Coppola and Puso wrote the screenplay together just like they did with the other ones it's the it's not at all based on any of the uh book though so the book is basically one and two um actually only half of two yeah part of two Uh, all the flash all the flashback scenes of the book and uh the entire other storyline that i've mentioned earlier that didn't fit um is the stuff they added yeah and it is it's a big reason why i feel like it should have stopped there is because the tragedy that the present day story follows in number two. I mean, we can say what we want about what we think is more or less compelling and stuff, but that shot of Michael, that wide shot at the end, when you hear the voiceover Fredo saying the Hail Mary, and then you hear the gunshot and that just stays wide and he just bows his head inside the boathouse and it just like dissolves Mm -hmm. away. I mean, the story ends there for me. Like, I feel like you needed as compelling as the veto uh, Marlon Brando's character flashback stuff are I feel like it is it would not have made sense to just go back and do a whole movie about that it did need to be juxtaposed with the the, the constant tragedy and the fall of Michael like, so I know what you mean I appreciate it but uh, I also have trouble talking about these movies without talking about the performances I mean I feel like so oh, the performances are phenomenal Everyone. yeah it's like for so many people it was 
their maybe not their introduction, but maybe the first time for our generation that we really got to see Marlon Brando in such a legendary performance. And then the influence that that clearly had on everyone around him. I mean, everybody in the first one is so good. Robert Duvall is, is fucking perfect. Al Pacino in that, you know, Al Pacino version one that he was in for like the yes. 70s and early 80s before he started getting gruff and screaming about everything. I mean, there's just such a calm stillness in him. And I, th- I think that it's it's probably safe to say that Brando had a lot of influence by just being who he was and acting the way he did. He created a tone on set and set mm-hmm. a bar for performance levels. And I, I don't know, for a movie this commercially successful, I, you scarcely see work like that. Uh, I think the Irishman touched on a lot of like really steady and grounded work like that, but a lot of commercial uh, cinema you see nowadays, even the really cl- critically acclaimed stuff that goes to the Oscars, you scarcely see ensembles that are all on the same page with how seriously they're taking the work and they're grounded in a very similar style, along with a director who trusts them enough to let them go to town. John Savage, who plays Fredo, is just... Not John Savage. Absolutely. John, not John Cazale. John Cazale. I did. That's from Friends. <laughs> when they get the John Savage. John Deer Hunter, John Cazale. Anyway, John Cazale, unbelievable in these movies. Diane Keaton, not much of a role, like in terms of the script. Like, that is something that I think I would have enjoyed having even more of her. But um, their exchange when well, she was, says that she's was one going of the fun to take. Parts, like, when she says the, she's going to take studio, her kids. The studio made them go back and add more stuff for the family. I mean, they should. After they saw it, a first cut of the film, yeah. It's kind of hard to defend the, the whole idea of doing this for family if there's not family being torn to pieces because of it. That scene at the end of number two when she says she's going to take his yeah, kids and he just, that close-up yeah. where you just see yeah. him build. It's, it, and obviously, they did it on purpose. There's that wonderful close-up in the restaurant scene in number one where he assassinates the chief of police and the Turk. I can say Turk because I'm Turkish. And... The in number two, they clearly wanted to do something similar, and that just that whole that close up of Michael and Al Pacino. We people like to talk shit about Al Pacino because of the 2.0 and 3.0 when he started screaming and everything, but that man knows how to do his job. And The Godfather was was one of his first big big movies, and people don't I don't think they give him enough credit. I think everyone still mostly talks about Marlon Brando, and it's it's Pacino's story, dude. What do you think, Jeff? Ron Brando was perfect. Wait, can so. I just can I just jump in one more thing? Um, <laughs> yeah. Just shout out to uh, the fact that the very first shot of the very first Godfather movie had a visual effects shot in it, and it was a computer controlled zoom lens. Wait, I forget. <laughs> they were using a computer controlled zoom lens in the seventies. I did not know this. I looked it up, and yeah, they they used a zoom lens to do that extremely slow, like pull out that they do at the beginning of the movie where it starts in on um i forget the funeral director guy and then it, it backs yeah. up and you see brando petting the cat like that yeah and wow. then the opposite of that happens when michael um is sitting there and starts giving directions to people they push in at the same speed oh uh, cool but, yeah it's a that it's a computer a controlled that zoom was, lens that was a no zoom, it was a computer a controlled zoom lens yeah wow Damn. it makes sense because the desk so hat, is hats there. off yeah, to the, the focus puller wow um hmm. i love I, I, it's it's all about the performances and even the writing for the first two. So I, I kind of don't want to talk about three until you know if if this gets passed on to the next. Nobody round, does. Honestly, like three was 
I, I'm going to be straight up. I had never seen three because so many people told me not to. They were like, this movie's just, just keep the first two in your trilogy. And now that we're doing this, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to watch the third one finally, but I, I wanted to, but I think I, at some point I was like, cool. The, I want to see the third one, which I've heard is a disappointment and it's three hours long. Great. Okay. Well, I, I did it this time and it, it is, it is beyond disappointing. It is. I'm gonna make a comparison. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, give it, yeah. So you know how you know how you know how um, I remember J.J. Abrams said this about uh, the Force Awakens. He said the, he's like honestly the bones of the Force Awakens is just we took as much from um, Episode Four, New Hope, as possible. We wanted to get that nostalgia back. We wanted us to be here, so I kept the bones. And honestly, that was Maybe? like. And that was like the biggest, that was the biggest problem with The Force Awakens. Even though The Force Awakens ultimately was a success in many different ways, it really was just that movie again. And then it didn't really propel a trilogy forward. It just was like, it, it just didn't do anything other than remind everybody what it was like to feel that kid feeling seeing Star Wars for the most part. The Godfather Part 3, half of the movie, if not more, is callbacks to the style. It opens with a long set piece. In this case, it's Michael's... Um, he's getting honored by the church and then there's a dinner. It's like a 30 minute set piece, similar to the 30 minute church scene at the beginning of the first one. Um, and then it follows similar structures and they try to do this half ass, like hackneyed story. And if he says, <laughs> wow. if he says Frodo, one, not Frodo, Jesus. If he says Fredo one more time in this movie, like I, I honestly was about to throw my computer out the window. Like how, like he's basically just telling us, it's like, Oh, I'm Fredo, Fredo. Oh, Fredo. Well, I did this to Fredo. What did you do to Fredo? What, what happened to Fredo? Did you do Fredo? And I'm like, leave it the fuck alone. Can you tell a new story? Get on here. Uh, this is not, you know how, do, do I have to wait till Jeff half finishes the, movie, the sentence to buzz him or can we half, multiply buzz him? Half of, <laughs> half of episode three felt like the Bachelor reveal when you're like, so what did it feel when she uh, dumped you? And he's like, honestly, it really hurt me. And I was like, can we talk about something that's important? Like half of the movie, it was basically like, so Michael, what did it feel like when Fredo? And he's like, oh, Fredo, oh, Fredo, oh, Fredo, oh, Fredo. It's just leave Fredo alone. Move on and tell a new story. And you know what? A lot of people hate on Sofia Coppola for some reason in this movie. I hear that a lot. I didn't think she did anything wrong. I thought she was totally fine. I thought it was the script was a half-ass and hackneyed they were trying to f <laughs> she's pretty okay. terrible in this movie dude hold on, <laughs> hold on. she's she just fine like what were you this story doesn't need anybody to be good in that role the script isn't written well for her like nothing about what's going on they, they try to that's... make her fall in love to the cousin <laughs> also it's missing all the family it's he's the only one it's missing. In the first one, you have Michael. You have Fredo, sort of. You have Robert Duvall is trying to play some power. He's trying to have a power play in the transition. You have James Caan. You have the brother-in-law. You have a lot of stuff going on. And then in the other one, it's basically like... Also, what is going on with Talia Shire's, Shire's character? She's basically just like a, a support beam for... Vinny in the in like the whole time like all she's sitting there and goes like Michael you should listen to him Michael Michael you should listen to him yeah he's right and I'm like Talia Shire what are you even doing there You're, you you don't even add anything yeah. to this story the, the whole script is terrible it's one which is too bad because it's even... made by masters obviously everybody involved in this know how to make good movies so I, I just can't explain it I can't explain it it's it was one of those such a disappointment it's I don't even know if it's worth trying to dissect it because there's so many things right. that are wrong with it 
They're, okay. It's a shame, but but one and two. But one and, yeah, I'll drink. I'll drink to that. Okay. I mean, it's, Sorry. it's really bad. I'm, I, okay. I, but that's how, right. I, that's I, how good. I feel like that's I'm a stand for one and two, and I'm a stand for two. that. That's some of the best one-two punch in cinema history. The, first, yeah. the, the original into sequel, I don't know if it gets any better than that. Well, the first movie is widely considered one of the best movies of all time, despite some spotty shots and an overexposure. The second movie, the way they move Michael's story along, and then De Niro as young Brando, especially in those Sicily scenes, um, all he has, there's so many iconic De Niro scenes in this movie. He, almost the entire yeah. movie, he's speaking Italian, and it's totally fine. It is. It yeah, is just. He, it's he so, le- went away and learned that for like six weeks. Well, and it, it was cool for me rewatching them. Yeah, it's cool for me rewatching them because, especially after watching the first one, when you see Brando nails so much the subtlety of how much he didn't want Michael to be in the family business because he had this posture about him where he didn't think uh, as opposed to like john Gotti and tony soprano like the the mobsters of contemporary those like he didn't want he knew it was a dirty business right and so he was trying to do the best he can he was trying to put a crown on shit if you will and he, he wanted michael to stay pure and innocent as a child. <laughs> that was just a reference anyway uh, um, okay I, I feel like uh, we, what we should do is actually we'll regroup and we'll um we'll talk about the two really good godfather movies <laughs> yeah so anyway yeah, honestly i mean but that's all you that is all you think about when you think of this trilogy you don't think of the trilogy you think of one and two and that's how I mean, there's they're that good one and two are so good that it completely gary my dad's in there he is wait he's in wait he wants to do, he wants to do the beer cracking thing here you go yeah give it to me oh yeah <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah we got that awesome. wait Man. let's give a quick review dad what was your review of rewatching godfather one? Oh, that was awesome was, what, what was yes, your favorite part of it Oh, it's tough to say. I love the, uh, you're just waiting the whole time for him to, to make an offer he can't refuse. And when Brando comes yeah. out with that line, you're just, it's, yeah. it's just perfect. Well, and, just, and then, you know, and then when Michael's, and then when Michael says it again later, you're like, it's almost like he, he's, he's been groomed now for that part. Absolutely. Mm. That was, that yeah. was great to see. It. And wait, How just about... really quick. What was it like when, when the movie came out? Was it really, was it the huge thing? Like, was everybody talking about it? Oh yeah. You know, um, it was huge. I was on the too young to watch it side because of the yeah. violence in it and all. I was just a young lad back then. Um, but uh, it was definitely the talk of everybody. Actually, the book was. Yeah, I was going to ask. The book is supposed to, to be huge. In the summertime and everybody was reading the book, you know, all the adults. Yeah, John's asking yeah. about how, how huge it was. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was huge. And then when the movie came and then to put that cast in the movie, it was just huge. And those are the after the Godfather. It was like all of them. You wanted to follow all of them moving forward, right? Yeah, yeah. Then then you followed them all. Yeah, and good point. Jeff and I were talking that. Mm. In, in my re- remembrance, was the beginning of this trilogy thing in a sequel. Movies never had sequels back back in the day, but then that started the sequels in the building, and then you got everything. Oh wow! Yeah, that was that was actually yeah. the uh, second movie in the world to do a sequel, oh. a numbered sequel. Dave just wow. said. He said he heard that was the second movie in the world to ever do a sequel. And that was probably the best version of it. The first one to do it that successfully. Okay. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. yeah. All right. Damn, that is awesome. Right. Thanks, Dad. We got, we got the audio and, in there. And now and he has to drink what this was beer. His, what was his, what was his <laughs> no favorite problem. line that contained an F-bomb? Oh, oh, great. <laughs> Dave wants to know uh, the, your favorite line in the movie that contained an F-bomb. I, I don't even, I can't even think of any right now. <laughs> do they even curse him? Not really, no. Sonny curses a lot when he's yelling yeah. at the brother-in-law. Yeah, that's all yeah. I can think of. I don't think anyone else... Yeah, I, I, he, he doesn't I, have to I'm provide one. I'm not as good one, with lines as you are, but, uh, you know, I, I did go along with the lines. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> good, 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 good. Right. good save. That was a all great right. save. Cheers, guys. Have a good time. So Thanks. Cheers, man. Thanks, Thank man. you, Gary. <laughs> that is a really good point about how this movie... 
and, and sometimes films do this, but like this movie is is it is the one that launched so many of those careers. Those people, those men, and Diane Keaton and Talia Shire had had a few good ones, but Diane Keaton d- definitely exploded. A lot of the men in that movie exploded, and we look at this movie as where they is where they came from. That's not true for all of them. It wasn't all the same scenario for Al. Obviously, definitely not for for um, Marlon Brando, but. This was a really quintessential experience for me as a child. When my <laughs> my dad sat me down and we watched this together when I was like nine years old. When you were six, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, I mean, this was like a big deal to him. He's an immigrant from from Turkey, and like when he was getting into the culture in the seventies. He was trying to watch movies and stuff. And, and, and I think this what is, had a what big your dad, What's on your dad him. do for a living? Well, now he's retired, but he was a dentist. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know. I know. <laughs> But yeah, that's a good point about how it creates these. And he showed you showed you that in Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> Jesus Christ, oh my! <laughs> it's so good though. I love these two. Yeah. So the point, real real fast, before your dad walked in, which that was awesome. I'm glad he came in. Yeah. Real fast. That was our first official guest star. That's right. These movies, these movies are so good. Number one and number two are so good that it doesn't matter that this, it's a part of a trilogy and it's in our franchise face-off. I would still happily fight for this all the way to the finish because the first two movies are some of the best movies ever made in yeah. in contemporary American cinema. Especially, we haven't even really talked about it, but Coppola is kind of the godfather of that group of directors that were coming mm-hmm. out in that time in New Hollywood. And he, this was just the beginning of an of white heat time in his career the 70s he just made back to back what do you godfather conversation godfather 2 apocalypse now mm. holy shit i mean how do you how did yeah. that, he just put out within like eight years he pumped out he four of right. the best movies yeah. ever made dude yeah and <laughs> then he said incredible. i just want to make wine and then they made him do godfather 3 <laughs> i just want to make wine um did anybody uh <laughs> The cinematographer, are you familiar with the cinematographer of this? Uh, hit us. Gordon Willis. Yes, Gordon Willis. Willis. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, he's uh, from Astoria, Queens. Hey, oh. Hey, oh. Right? I live there. <laughs> yes, I used to. Jeff <laughs> did to, well, yeah. once. <laughs> yeah, oh, he became man. known as the Prince of Darkness on this film. I mean, that. Um, you never see both they, their no, eyes, when... always half of their faces in a shadow. When they when they first sent the dailies in, they got sent back uh, by the studio because they thought it was a mistake. <laughs> of, wh- of which they I, thought they which I, uh, no, just the dailies of that day's the first day shooting. They th- they thought it was a mistake because it was so dark and there were so many shadows. They were like, "This is a mistake. They fucked up the dailies." And he was like, "No, that's exactly right, actually." Yeah. Okay. So what's his name? I don't want to mess it up. We have, we should we should give a little shout Gordon, out to what was happening Gordon, right now. Um, the Gordon producer Willis. who produced this, who produced the Godfather. Uh, he was the head of Paramount at the time. Uh, you guys keep talking. I'm gonna find it real fast. Right. Well, okay. Sure. Well, we're almost. You know what? I, I hope we get another go at the Godfather coming up soon because I would love to talk about the subtlety of the script and the callbacks and the grooming of Michael and how in two Michael's moving forward as basically like we're moving back in time to see De Niro as Vito to see how we establish like how you can really trace the line 
of um, the family lineage and how Michael's moving it forward as you go like all the way to the back. And I love the dichotomy of that in the second movie. I, I don't think there's much else to say mm -hmm. other than these are really two of the greatest movies ever made. I love all of the backstory. I love how Coppola's almost fired. I love how Pacino's almost fired. They moved the shooting of the um, the restaurant scene up because they thought he was going to be yes. fired. Okay. And they so thought the they would right be able here. to... Re Hold on. I thought they were going to be able to reshoot that. Martin Sheen read for Pacino's part because the studio didn't want him. Um, they didn't want um, they didn't want Brando. Oh God! Uh, could you imagine that with Martin Sheen? I know it's weird, and he had one of those like weird hippie mustaches. He kind of looked like Dennis Hopper in um, in Easy Rider. Like it was weird. Like, he didn't look like Michael at all. Um, De Niro read mm. for Sonny, and James Caan got cast instead. Like all of these, there's so many good back things. There's so many good stories about yeah, this. Yeah, it was it was one of those things. It was one of those times. We we mentioned this with Lord of the Rings. It's something magical was happening, and it was it was not. Unlike Lord of the Rings, where New Line, where we talked about how New Line just said, go for it. And Peter really did have complete control. Coppola and the whole team were going up against, it's, his name is Robert Evans. So he had recently taken over Paramount. Yes. And and they were, their backs were against the wall financially. And they were taking a big risk on this. The book was hugely popular. So when they optioned it, they knew they were given, you know, they wanted to take a chance and do something really special. Coppola had not done anything super super successful yet he had written Patton and he had directed a couple other things that did fairly well but nothing that were you know handing off the most popular book of the time to this guy but they wanted an Italian they wanted somebody that would know how to tell the story correctly and every step of the filmmaking especially in the first in the pre-production in the first several weeks of shooting they were told no 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 so this is just another example of when right. artists had the vision. He cast the people he wanted to cast. He had everyone around him he wanted to work with. They started going to town and they were in production and the producers get, yeah, they're getting dailies back and Robert Evans and everyone is saying, we got to shut this down immediately. We're going to lose, we're going to lose so much money. We're going to fucking tank. We're going to have to file for bankruptcy. And he fought them the entire time, Coppola. And he ends up making one of the greatest movies ever made and I always wonder whenever that story happens, because it happens too often to be comfortable. It almost never happens the other way, where you hear about these producers that knew how to make this great picture, right? I always wonder if yeah. producers who are coming up and cutting their teeth now and trying to rise to the top of these big production studios, when they hear a story like that, I wonder if they think part of my skill set is to start being able to speak and understand artists better. Or if they really do just think that that's just the nature of the beast and sometimes, you know, it's just scary to take a risk. I, I mean, I hope they do because it's still happening to this day. There's still yeah. cases of producers locking directors out of editing rooms and, like, you know, in the case of, what, the Fantastic Four movie, which was mm -hmm. a disaster, um, they re-edited the entire Act 3 Yeah. On, on the director. David Lynch's cut of Dune is, like, an hour and 20 yeah. minutes longer than his theatrical cut and it's the only one that makes sense it's fucking long as shit but like that happens all the time yeah not that james cameron is caligula <laughs> caligula which i feel benefited yeah. from that but you know mm. fuck you drink that shit it does happen all the time i don't know it just makes me wonder and coppola uh, t again just to respect him it's really it all, in a way it's almost beautiful that he got used to doing that because you can hear even in interviews now when he talks about it his entire career has been like that he had to start making one because nobody wanted to give him money to make his movies. But I mean, every movie, the ones we just talked about, especially Godfather 1, The Conversation, Number 2, and Apocalypse Now. No one wanted to help him back any of those stuff. He had to fight against the elements and 
the nature of man and the nature of planet Earth to get those things made. And he made four of the best movies that came out of the 70s. So, so as filmmakers, mm. as audiences and filmmakers, you know, fans, what does it say about somebody? If What if he had just given up at some point and said, you're right, this is too much of a risk, and we just didn't have The Godfather? Can you imagine? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, last thing, um, when he when before Coppola was making The Godfather, he was making another movie for a studio, and uh, a young filmmaker won an award for a short film they made. So they got to shadow a professional director to see what it's like to be a professional director. It was George Lucas. George Lucas shadowed yeah. Francis Ford Coppola in like 1969 yeah. or 1970 on the set for a day. He didn't um, just shadow. He was the production stills photographer. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. See, and also another wasn't thing just is that either. He also edited together the montage, the motor montage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. Well, yeah, Jesus. Anyway. Um, and then Brando, who is kind of the, the studios were kind of wary of him at the time. He fought for a couple of, he stood up for him and he said, you make the movie you're going to make. I'm here for you. We're a team. We're a family. Yeah. So, so it's your actors up there. Stick up for your directors. I'm not saying they're going to fight for you back, but it should be a team. And that's the way it should be. I think Coppola paid All him right. back with apocalypse now and, <laughs> when he let like two <laughs> weeks go by of them just not shooting because Brando just didn't want to shoot and they just talked in a fucking cabin in the yeah. woods for a long time. And, and when anyway. Brando gained 50 pounds <laughs> But that's roll. another story. <laughs> Godfather's awesome. Go watch it. We're moving on. When we Skip come three. back, we are going to be talking about an equally compelling and dramatic trilogy, Austin Powers. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back. Woo. We're back. Wow, right. we just talked for a while about our number two seed, The Godfather. Some of the best movie making ever done, with the exception of the third one. And <laughs> damn it, <laughs> right off the bat, take a fucking drink. In fact, let me open my beer. Because yeah, you're right. Um, wait, wait for Jeff to talk. <laughs> so we are now going to talk about our fifteen seed. And I'm really happy we gave comedies a lot of love. It, it is fun in the time of Corona. By the way, these are all on Netflix, too. So I feel like that got an added boost because in the time of Corona, you can go back and watch these movies. I mean, I, I feel like when we, the, when we picked these movies, we were like thinking that people are going to be locked inside. They're going to be going a bit stir crazy. Right. So maybe they don't want to watch Rampaging Aliens. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sure. So like, let's talk about the Austin Powers trilogy. Austin which Powers, was, baby. It was seminal for me. I mean, all of these came yeah, out baby. live. Yeah. I saw at least two of them in theaters. Um, this is one of those movies for me where all of the quotes were coming back. The way they you said it. You were hairy. Line. Like he animal. Line. Even, even the, weirdest, the weirdest fucking things kept coming back to me. Like, oh, I fell over. Oh, I, I fell, fell over, over again. again. Like, yeah. all, like the tiniest. Like there are a few of those movies that you hear. If somebody near me says, oh, I fell over. I'm going to be like, awesome powers. Like, even if I'm nowhere to, you know? Sex? Anyway. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. I can guess, baby. Evacuation process. Come. I get... Come. Yeah. No. Come. Do you know what in Russia, you know what we do to, do you know what we do to keep warm? I can guess, baby. We play chess. I guess wrong. <laughs> like, all of these things. I, anyway, we're only anyway. going to quote this. That's all we're going to do in it's, this section. We're just going to quote all and, and, by the way, so far... So far, we have ruined every quote. So let's go ahead and continue to like make it inaudible. For All right. People. Okay. So let's lean into. Who it. wants to start? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass it on. Let, okay, John and I are quoting it too much. So let's start with Dave. What do you say? 
it, it wasn't enough for Americans to whitewash the films. They had to like American wash a British guy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's exactly right. Actually, that's how it, it <laughs> Actually, looks. In twenty years later, it is. He's like Canadian, this. motherfucker. Mike Myers is yeah. Canadian. Yeah. So Dick, that's Canadian. Yeah. Are Canadians? <laughs> what's, what's, are Canadians closer to Australians <laughs> than Americans? I feel like there's some. No, not not really. No, no. You're also nice. Anyway, what do you think? <laughs> well, tell me, you've seen what, these before, what right? Australians, have you seen? Oh yeah, I've seen these a million times. Fun yes. time? Do you have fun? Did you guys have uh, fun rewatching? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the opening numbers. <laughs> every <laughs> single time they do an opening number, they just got more and more ridiculous every time they went. Hello, Rabbi. Like, till it, com- oh! till it culminates. <laughs> till it culminates in the third one, where not only is there an opening number, there is a like twenty minute scene with some of the best cameos you've ever seen in your life in it. That they needed that. I was saying that I liked. I liked them all. Rewatching them all. I'll talk. But that third movie opening like that, it was basically like we're fucking back that's right we're doing a third one of these motherfuckers they spared no expense they used up nobody asked for it but we're doing it yeah exactly that would have that would have never been able to get past a bloomfield film where they only give them a couple million dollars for the whole movie that opening sequence (laughs) is four million (laughs) dollars i'm pretty sure half of that was done on favors i mean it's mike myers he's he's worked with everyone he knows everyone it's, yeah. it's, let's I'm talk about sure this for a second so this was i think I, my friends and i talk about this all the time the 90s were dominated by saturday night live performers getting movies and yeah, th- this was not adam chris sandler's farley. huge chris farley mike myers my, dana twice. carvey obviously so like yeah. this was not mike myers first time will ferrell eventually this was not mike myers first you know time out he had wayne's world first which are awesome um but this was a special time where, for some reason, everyone was was really excited to go to give them money and to go see them do this. This entire thing was his baby. I mean, sometimes I think when mm-hmm. we think of this, it's not just like he was sitting in a sketch room. Like <laughs> the stakes are higher than on SNL, you know? Like, yeah, he didn't he, write I mean, this. He, isn't not a really. He wrote, he wrote this in a week. <laughs> yeah, but but then he made you know what I mean he made the movie like they do that on SNL too, and then they do it for like a yeah. three minute sketch. Like it's kind of hilarious to think that. I don't know. This doesn't. This doesn't happen anymore, does it? With our comedies, when was the last time an SNL star was was featured in a movie, like a current SNL star? I can't think of anyone except oh, for Kate uh, McKinnon was Kate in McKinnon. Ghostbusters. Yeah, Kate McKinnon yeah. was yeah, all 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 hell. And, and Lizzie Jones. And Kristen Wiig would have the tiniest of roles in movies. Like she was in um, Knocked Up. Like she would do that, and then she got big after she left. But she was she was getting like little bit parts in movies. You're right. You're right. It does still happen she's sometimes. A, she's got a big one coming. Yeah. So Austin Powers, let me put it this way. Let me, let me share a little anecdote with you guys. I don't know if either of you know this, but I don't know. Listeners, Dave and Jeff are friends with me, so they know me pretty well. I don't know if they know this fact about me. The summer between fifth and sixth grade, 1997, I was going into middle school the following year, and I was kind of nervous. And this movie came out called Austin Powers in like May or June. I'm not exaggerating. This is not hyper- hyperbole. I watched that movie on videotape every single night of that summer. Every single night I watched that movie. It was it became a part of my being. It was it was I think we've we've all got an anecdote like that. Like I mine was the Goonies. Yeah? Oh yeah. Yeah. Jeff, what'd you mine, have? Mine was um um Happy Gilmore. <laughs> but but I watched these movies that a, lot, a and sh- lot and straight yeah. up straight up 
the spy who shagged me came out like right at the worst age for me because heather graham did things to me i didn't know were possible and that i learned a lot about myself watching heather graham and the spy who shagged me for sure i know elizabeth her they're all the all the the girls they're kind of based on bond girls right this is sort of a spoof on the bonds um Thing. Actually, oh, Daniel Craig absolutely. even said. Da- Daniel Craig even said like Mike Myers took uh, took Bond, and we need to take him back or something. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, like so the the Bond girls. I will say it is interesting watching it in hindsight. I, it doesn't change anything for me. But you know, twentieth century feminism or twenty first century feminism comes into play. There's a couple like there's a couple sensitive jokes about little people okay, or dwarves. Or- he, I was talking about this with someone I was watching one of these with recently uh, for this for this pod this week. And I'm going to get scrutinized for this, <laughs> but it didn't. I thought it was still OK because Mike Myers plays Austin in such a non-threatening way. Yeah, 100 percent. I, I agree. It, I agree. It, it never came off like he was completely in charge or else. It always felt like right. he was well, it was so silly that he thought he was so sexy. And, and he, the, well, he never was condescending is, about it. Everyone around him sells the joke because everyone around him is the straight man or woman. And they're reacting horrified to the things he's coming out with. Right. And because yes. the like because the rest of the cast is saying no, this is not okay. Basically, they're. I mean, it's what Australian youth sense of humor has done for years. We take an issue that's front and center and accentuate it to ridiculous proportions and put it right in your face. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also the women were, and the women were strong too. So it was ridiculous. Like when he's saying all those things to Elizabeth Hurley, who by the way is is a ten out of ten. I mean, it's that's so ridiculous. Like she's perfect, Her but like she's also was great. Yeah, <laughs> but she was also really good. Yeah, she's really good. I would say maybe Heather Graham. You know, maybe better in Boogie's Night, Boogie Nights. But but <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. You're right. I'm doing. Yep. But I'm I'm telling you that that reveal when they get on the island, they take the wetsuit off, and she's in the bikini. That is like. That is my Ursula Andress moment. And then it cuts to Austin. But the reason it's okay is because it cuts to Austin in the same bikini. And there's, I can't. So I went through a couple years ago, probably like three or four years ago. I was going through nostalgic times and I was rewatching a lot of movies from my childhood. And I went through like all the great 90s comedies, all Adam Sandler's and everything. And when I hit the Austin Powers, when I finished them, I was looking for something else like Austin Powers that's in that world of parody with really high production value and i mean you know high enough you know they knew it was kitschy they knew what they were doing and i couldn't find anything else like that so like this this is it kind of does stand alone it's kind of hard to find a a a period i guess it's period we'll call it period right like a period trilogy Mm -hmm. franchise with really good production value the music is fucking incredible the whole thing is is satirical I couldn't find anything else like that. And I don't know. You guys let me know if you if you find anything else was, like that. It was really funny. The, the first time I went and saw it, I went with a group of friends and we walked out and it was like, yeah, Mike Myers was great. But who played Dr. Evil? I had to look it yeah. up yeah. the yeah. first yeah, time I saw it. He was same. so good. He's the white same. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely. He, does, definitely. He, he just straight up stole that from Eddie, but I'm oh, so God, glad could you, he did. Could you, imagine, could you imagine those two in a movie together? They'd be like two oh, actors yeah. and that's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> this yeah, uh, these movies these movies are really 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 funny. Okay, um, why don't we do this? Which because because now they're all on Netflix and people listening might be able to go back and let, watch them. Yes, I, I well let's talk about um, our favorites. Would you would you recommend doing them in order? Or do you want to talk? Well, yeah, let's talk about our favorites. I think for me the the first one was actually my favorite, which was unexpected because before rewatching them, I mm-hmm. probably would have sped, said Spy Who Shagged Me, and I think that was actually my least favorite this time. I'm not saying it's not good or anything, but this time rewatching them. 
I watched the first one and then I watched Spy Who Shagged Me and I was like, um, I think I like the first one better. And then Goldmember just goes zany in a whole like even crazier, more bright, colorful direction. Yeah. So I really, I, I would probably go one, then Goldmember, I mean, then Spy Who Shagged Me after rewatching them. Even though the, I, the, quote, the quotability isn't there necessarily, but that's what I would say as far as a I'm full film. Right up one, two, three. Really? Oh, cool. Straight up one, two, three for me. Yeah. Um, the one simply because no one saw it coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and they so they can you imagine pitching that? Yeah. It's like, and they built it from scratch. They built it from scratch. The whole world. Yeah. And they built it well. And it, I mean, it translated into two, right? And two, they upped the stakes a little. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if I was going to say anything bad about it, it's by the time you get to three, like two was enough. It's the same as The Godfather. Two was enough. By the time you get to three, it starts becoming a little like having a four-year-old in the house who's realized that you laugh when they fart. Drink. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I agree with you for sure. Uh, number one is definitely my favorite. I think it's the tightest. I think every crazy. Line, I would not have guessed that rewatching it, but it's true. Yeah, ev- every mm. line is is funny. Like ev- almost every line is quotable. Every scene is iconic. Uh, and yeah, you said like they built it from the ground up. Um, it's c- kind of unlike um, Ace Ventura. Maybe they had a good budget for the first one. So it didn't feel like you were seeing them on training wheels in the first one, and then they finally got a lot of money for the second and third. Like it felt like it, they feel like they're the same yeah. exact, you know, production. It's the same director, uh, it's the same production house. You know, Mike is still heavily involved with all of them. So the first one just feels tighter, it's more original. There's something to his performance too that was so surprising. It's so fresh, mm-hmm. so funny. He yes. hadn't revealed that character yet. So it was also just fun to see him. Nobody knew who Austin Powers was when it came out. It's kind of hard also, to imagine I, the world I, without him now. <laughs> I love I love a running gag as much as the next person and respect to anyone who can do it for three movies in a row. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Like there are there are running <laughs> gags all the way through this. The dick. The, 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 sight the, gags. the best part when, number two at the end with the rocket. The, the rocket at the yeah, end. I mean, yeah. that whole thing was just fucking... I mean, that's incredible. Ridiculous, but hilarious. My, my, one of my favorites was... Um, I know I... I was watching this scene today. Um, it's uh, there's a special cameo by Will Ferrell, and oh, he ends up going over a cliff. Go to and he's the broken, hell, he's, <laughs> he's broken. Yeah, he's broken both his legs, but you never see him once. He's shouting from the bottom of the cliff. It's, it's beginning it, the to entire smell thing like is li- literally. Yeah, it's literally just Mike Myers on camera yeah. and him shouting stuff from the bottom of the cliff. Yeah. And I'm not sure if Mike Myers even knew what he was going to be shouting. And, and, but like the whole scene, you don't see him once. The entire thing is a radio play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and hilarious. Also, and Will Ferrell got to do that twice because he did in the first movie too, where he's burned alive. Yes. And he goes, yeah. "I am very badly burned," so he gets to die the same way in two different movies. Yeah, it's, it's the running gag. What is it's first time it's I hilarious. am very much still alive, but I'm very badly burned. And then the second movie, he's like, "My leg is broken. My other leg." I, l- hold on, let me see. Ah! Yes, yes, yes. It is also broken. Isn't that one <laughs> of so his? Funny. Wasn't but, that one of his first movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one was, and then I think Superstar yeah. came out somewhere around between two, between one and two, like somewhere in there. But yeah, and um, mm-hmm. Rock, Night at the Roxbury. Yeah, those were that was really definitely movies. his first big um, one. Night at the Roxbury came out in '98. Yes, yeah. so this was his first I'm like gonna, big movie. Yeah, I, I'm still. I'm gonna quote all the movies. I'm gonna remember the, the gags forever. All the shadow gags that they do in two and three, where people keep <laughs> reaching into my Myers yes. like rectum to pull things out. Heather Graham, and again, Heather Graham is just like uh, I don't know why for like that seminal yeah, moment. Yeah, so this is a fun comedy but, for the whole family. Just yeah. so. I will say I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'm gonna give like a little bit of negativity, but the second movie there were just a lot of plot holes and the time travel thing just didn't work. No, I know, I know, but it's true. Yeah. 
If you rewatch the I, movie, I mean, you just have to rewatch no, it for my... the, the quotes and the lines because they even have to look at the camera early on. Basil and, and Austin look at the camera That's and my they favorite go, part. this doesn't really make sense. And they're like, it's like, just don't think much just about it. And that goes for you at home. And they look straight into the camera. And then later, like the time machine, uh, that last sequence at the end, I remember seeing it in theaters as a kid and being like, oh, cool. I can just go back to five minutes before and then save her. But ultimately, it's just choppy. And I, 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 I it held it back a little bit for me as an adult for some reason. Mm. I know. I know, I know. Um, and then Goldmember is a that little was, cheesy. That was for being an adult. Goldmember is a little cheesy, <laughs> but Beyonce has some cool lines. Actually, she actually does a really nice job. I think for the most part, you know, she has. A, it's a tough character to do. It's Mike Myers is making her a caricature, and I think she play, she pulls it off really well. Michael Caine's part of the daddy issues is really fun. They kind mm. of overplay that flashback. They go, remember that time your dad wasn't there, and then there's like a ten minute sequence of them at school. Also, apparently, Doctor Evil went to school with Austin Powers, even though in the first two movies they didn't mention that at all. So you think that's a little weird? It, it's weird watching them back. <laughs> it's weird watching them back to back. About. although i think it works but, because they don't care i know and i know i shouldn't care it, for some reason the humor just wasn't a 10 like it was when i was a I know, kid i know i know well whereas i, the first I felt one the was. same for the first one the it was same, though that's yeah. what i was saying so that is the only thing we're not to this section yet but yeah. that is something that i've rewatched them maybe twice now since my childhood and yeah. it has it has always been not not disappointing but it i have been very aware that the first one is good and I, it is still good, and I still really love watching it. And I watch two and three for the nostalgia, not because they're as good as the first yeah. one. I'll take a drink on that one. Um, Shout out to Rob Lowe for the young Rob, Rob Robert Lowe. Wagner. Really funny. He oh, does a pretty good job of that. I, I, like I, that. I watched a, I watched a thing yeah. about him recently, and apparently when he was a guest host on SNL, because he was actually pretty big in the 80s and 90s as like a child star sort of, um, or like a young adult star uh, before West Wing. And so he, when Mike Myers was on SNL, for some reason, they had like a casual friendship, I guess. And um, Mike Myers asked them to be number two. And I guess was just comfortable with him enough that that globe bit when he's like, oh, you're going to cry? You're going to cry? And he throws the globe <laughs> in his face twice. That actually wasn't planned. That wasn't scripted. Like, they basically were like, I think you can do more. Like, it would be fun to see number two get fucked around a little bit. And so they just did that. That was the first take. One For one take, they did it. He threw the globe in his face twice, and it was not in the script. Mike Myers just did that to Rob Lowe because they had that good working relationship. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they'd done Wayne's World by that point as well. And that's, and that's, let's oh, yeah, that's little, right. He was in Wayne's World, yeah. Let's give them some credit, too, for like the big picture thing. Everyone who Jay- was involved with this, it took, it took a lot of balls to satirize James Bond. I mean, that is a yeah. huge franchise, right? That is like bedrock right. of like, you know, that kind of spy storytelling that everyone, yeah. you know, loves so much. So I feel like, again, I couldn't find anything else like this because it does kind of stand alone. There are many people it's who not, try to like seriously went, hey, satirize it. James Bond is a little bit misogynistic. Let's put that on a stick. Yeah, let's yeah. make fucking and fun put of it this ridiculous right thing. in your face. Yeah, and the hair, like how ridiculous yeah. it is that they love like the hair covering him. Have yeah, it's I. I can imagine him sitting there going, "What if James Bond was flicked forward to the nineties? Okay, there we go. We got a script. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Also, you know what? Like, Mr. Bean would be like a British comedy version of that genre. I guess this is. Have you a, seen Johnny English? Johnny, oh, no, I actually haven't Johnny seen Johnny English. English. Yeah, the Johnny Naked English Guns. Is, the Naked Guns. Yeah, the Naked Guns. But, but those, Johnny what I, my English point is, my point is these are like Western comedy
like a, a Western comedy tends to be a little flashier and therefore it's harder to pull off. Whereas, um, not, not that British humor is, is easy, but it's subtler. It's usually slower burns, longer burns. We talked about this with the Cornetto trilogy, these flashy moments that Mike Carr says, these sound bites, these moments that you remember all of the times that he goes like, Oh, <laughs> whenever he sees like a hot yeah. girl do something hot and he's just like, oh! <laughs> yeah. yeah, like all of those moments are so good. Like, but it, all like he does, he has a gag and he sticks with it. it that's a variation on the Wayne's World swing. Yeah. Um, what are and our, then of yeah. course, then of course, he went on to uh, make the Love Guru, which was Austin Powers on a rolly platform. <laughs> wow. He literally yeah. lost. Isn't that the movie that he literally lost? Uh, like everything, and yeah, he should have like, totally produced that by himself. I feel like he. I heard he lost like tons of money on that. He might oh, have he put the himself. That because I got the impression watching that that there was no one sitting around him going, um, "No, Mike, that's not a good idea." Honestly, I kind of miss him though. I mean, again, I know we grew up like right in that sweet spot. Well, two of us grew up right in that sweet spot where he was like, he was an enormous. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, he. Uh, he was an enormous influence on my childhood. I would say Austin Powers and Ace Ventura just dominated most yeah. of my and adam sandler not as much adam sandler those two dominated my had a friend yeah. over to sleep over that night what do you want to watch tonight we're gonna to watch either ice ventura or fucking austin powers and we're gonna laugh our ass off and i'm still watching it oh you know I 20 agree. years later we're still having fun yeah i graduated to those i mean when, when i had friends over it was monty python and the holy grail sure, sure sure i love this yeah <laughs> i first saw which is also on netflix yeah i should add life of brian yeah to, don't sit yes. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you, John. That this and and Happy Gilmore for me, but actually Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, the pair. Yeah. Um, and and I guess a little bit of Tommy Boy Black Sheet. That's when I was like, SNL is the bar. That is the comedy bar. Like SNL, whoever's yeah. on SNL, I'm gonna give them a chance because that whole look what that they whole produced. group. Yeah. Happy Gilmore. I have a real soft spot for that because my my grandfather didn't really like cursing in movies. He was kind oh, yeah. of a bit against it, and we were sitting there watching Happy Gilmore, and we got to the scene where they're sitting in the office, and he's just yeah. losing his shit he's on the TV. And it's, all, and it's all bleeped. <laughs> yeah, and it's all bleeped. My grandfather, and I've never seen this before, yeah. had tears streaming down his face, and he nearly fell out of his chair. It was the most amazing thing ever. And yeah, I, yeah thanks, Adam Sandler, Are you for too that. good for you, home? Yeah. You mother baby. <laughs> Yeah. Shooters! I'll see Shooter. you in the um, parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! When Price that guy right, takes bitch. when he when he hey, you forgot your nine iron when he bends the nine. Iron. <laughs> <laughs> Just when he gets the breakfast. when he gets the nail gun in his head. Wait, we're getting off topic. We're getting off topic. You eat pieces uh, of shit for uh, breakfast. Oh my God! The whole, okay, oh anyway, my anyway, God, anyway. Dude. This yes, these movies are all fantastic. They're all great for me. Watching them in order was the was great, and is also a little bit of a mistake because it, it just showed how much better the first movie was, in my opinion, as far as a movie plot and all that kind of stuff. But the gags are so good in all of them. That third movie, the that peeing thing, that peeing thing where Mike Myers is peeing because he kicked out the uh, plug of the fountain. That's be- and then so he's peeing, and then he realizes that he's he's running out of steam, so he drinks a Dasani. There's a plate of asparagus there so he eats a plate of asparagus <laughs> and the guards are looking because they see the smell it, it's and then you see the reverse side the from smell. the security they angle the where it Buzz looks him. like Buzz he's him. peeing <laughs> somebody's it's so good it's it, it is so funny they it's are so fun funny. enough they are fun enough to rewatch for sure these are not masterpiece yeah. this is not masterpiece rewatch, rewatch in a yeah. group yeah, yeah, have fun. Like, come on. There's no reason not to watch these okay. movies. Let me rephrase. Rewatch at a group that's already in your house. Do not fight five people over that's right, right now. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. 
Cool. Is so if, you was, great. if you're listening to this in six months, then by all means, invite everyone over and watch this movie. <laughs> right. that, that was quick, but they're so fun. And I'm so glad they're on our list. Sorry, Dark Knight, but like this, this is fun. I'm glad we rewatch these. Yes, for sure. So that's Austin Powers. Uh, when we come back, we are going to deliberate and decide, We're gonna decide which franchise is moving on in the franchise face off. We'll be right back. <laughs> We're back, baby. Sorry, folks. I just have to share this little bit with you. Dave and I were chit-chatting between the break, and he told me a little anecdote that I did not know about the Godfathers. Dave, will you please share it with our listening audience? Apparently, there was a great deal of mooning on set. Mooning is uh, in old-fashioned pulling your pants down and showing people yes. your bare butt. <laughs> Started by James Kahn and Robert Duvall. Now, this is on IMDb trivia, so you can this look this up like, yourself if you want. Sh- streaking was like a big deal in the 70s, so I could see this being like a thing, I guess. Uh, totally. Um, they, they mooned Francis Ford Cobbler, Marlon Brando, Salvatore Pacito. Um, <laughs> James Kahn's Comet of Time magazine, My Best Moon, was on 2nd Avenue. <laughs> Robert Duvall and I were in one car and Brando was in another, so we drove up beside him. I pulled in my pants and stuck my ass out the window. Brando fell down in the car with laughter. God, how does this become a thing? That was the thing on the set of The Godfather. One yeah, of the greatest they movies that it ever got, it, got, it got so bad to the point where every time you opened a door, you expected to see someone's ass. <laughs> Even Al Pacino got in on the act. I mean, these guys grew up with Marlon Brando in the 50s, his movies, and now they're like, I got an idea. Let's fuck with Marlon Brando. Let's moon him. Like, can you imagine mooning Daniel Day-Lewis? Wait, no, wait, 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 wait. Fuck with Marlon Brando? The ultimate moon came when Brando and DeVal mooned 400 cast and crew members during the shooting of the wedding scene. <laughs> he fucked back. Okay. Uh, of, course, he's, he, of course he's the best. Of course he's like, the best. I miss the olden days. We'll never be able to do that again without getting a lawsuit. Damn it. God, that I, is I, I don't so... know. I, funny dude that is hilarious all right we are back we are finally deliberating I feel like, folks I feel like moons are okay as long as you paint a happy face on it i'm just maybe dave's listening up okay. to the godfather because i thought he was gonna go austin powers <laughs> yeah we'll see what happens we are deliberating between the godfather trilogy and austin powers all right yeah, we're actually doing that you heard correctly we are actually <laughs> putting those things against each other i was all talking right. with my roommate earlier this week and he asked me what we were, what the franchise face-off was going to be this week. And I said, it's The Godfather versus Austin Powers. And he just bursted out laughing because he could just sense the shame in the tone. Al wants to get in on Star Trek week. I would love for Al to get it on Star Trek week. That could be something. Star Trek, baby. I mean, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, here we are. What do you guys think? We're going to move forward with one of these trilogies is moving forward this week. It can only be Mike Myers and Jay Roach's Austin Powers trilogy or Francis Ford Coppola and the dudes. Yeah. Godfathers. Shout what, out, what are we feeling? Shout out to Demi Moore for being a producer on all three Austin Powers movies. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. How does that even happen? Who told her about them? <laughs> How did she even know about that? Mike yeah. Myers, obviously. He's like, hey, Demi, you want to you wanna throw down on this? She's like, yes, I do. They're like real friends. I mean, <laughs> it's the, really, the really funny thing is, well, I worked it out during the break, and The Godfather was 539 minutes, and Austin Powers was, was 283 minutes, which means we watched 822 minutes oh of movies. Oh, my God. You're welcome, yeah. America and world. We You're welcome. That. Wait, we, we did that for you, even though nobody in, in, asked. India and New Zealand are our furthest listeners. You're welcome. 
I feel like the guy <laughs> that, in a twilight. I feel like the guy in the twilight zone where like the world ends and he finally has all the books and it's like there's time now. <laughs> it is time. This is time. I'm gonna go around. I'm gonna call it right now. Jeff, hit me with your okay. votes. We got to do it. We got to go there. Okay. I what's moving forward? Was very happy to rewatch all of these, but I have decided that Austin Powers just doesn't hang up for me anymore. It just doesn't do it. I love <laughs> I, I love it as the comedy is. It's very soft place in my heart. That's right. I will be you can quoting get Buster it. in this section. I will be quoting it till the end of time. And even though Godfather 3 is the worst out of the six movies that we watched. <laughs> <laughs> is Godfather, wait, let's decide that. Is Godfather 3 worse then the sequel and the third movie of Austin Powers is oh, it worse? Yeah, it, it, like oh, hell yeah. <laughs> never yeah. in the never never in the third movie of Austin Powers was I thinking, wait a second, where did they where did they go wrong? <laughs> I never thought that. <laughs> oh my god, that is so good. That is so accurate. The That's third true. Godfather is definitely the worst of these six movies. <laughs> <laughs> It just is. Like, I don't have to tell you. So the Godfather's moving on, and I, I, I don't know how long it can. Oh. It's the two seed. I, I don't know if it can hang on to the two seed, but for right now, it lives another day and it advances to the quarterfinal. For me, past, but but I'm I'm not the only vote. Uh, let's go with Dave next. Let's go to John. Let's okay, go to fine. John. John. Oh yeah, because Dave's always our deciding factor. All right. Uh, I could not. I could not live with myself if I did not also vote for Godfather. Austin Powers is fucking hilarious, and I enjoy rewatching them. I do it every few years or so. The nostalgia is real. The first one is really good. The other two are still a lot of fun. But number one and number two of the Godfather trilogies are still some of the best movies in the American canon. And they are still some of Francis Ford Coppola's best movies. And any of those actors in those movies, they are still some of their best movies. It's impossible not to acknowledge the brilliance and the masterful filmmaking. It's just too good. So as much as I love Austin Powers, I'm sorry. Yeah, baby. No, baby. You're fucking out of it. I'm sorry. Godfather is moving on for me. Godfather it is. All right. Well, Dave, it seems like it's already decided, but let's see. Because you can can talk people in. We caucus here. I have to say, like Austin Powers was, it came along at the right time. It was, it was a very timely thing for comedy, and it redefined comedy. It it made you watch the same movie three times without realizing you watched the same movie three times. You didn't even care. Yeah, baby. Um, there are a couple of really good point, good good points that I didn't focus on before. Seth Green. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell, bring him out. I want to hear your idea. Seth Green. Seth Green. That was in the middle of the Seth Green thing, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. Can't hardly wait. Austin Powers. No, Austin Austin Powers is a perfect straight man. It's like no matter what, he's the foil. Like he played it to a T, and he was. He just wanted to see what color his hair was going to be in that particular movie. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to call this Preparation H. He's like, why don't you call it Preparation Ass Cream Ass? Like his line (laughs) deliveries are just so strange, and also he's so good too because he plays at the trope of like we're going to put him in a room with sharks and lasers, and he's like, 
why don't we just shoot him right now? I got a gun in my room. Let's just do it. Let's shoot him. Go. And Dr. Evil's just like, you just don't get it. So in a weird way, even though he's crazy, he is playing the straight character in Dr. He's Evil's right. Movie, yeah. Which is crazy. It's, it's well, so that's, funny. that's the thing. Every time Mike Myers is on screen, he's everyone else is the straight man. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, with a couple thing. of a couple of exceptions, but like most of the time, everyone else is the straight man, and that's what makes it work for me. Yeah, you're and right, it makes dude. it really, really good. And I have, I have this, uh, I have a score system where, like, I, when I'm watching these, I basically every time I see something I like, I put a little X, and then I count up the X's at the end. And Austin Powers, the the entire trilogy, came through with a fourteen for me. It got fourteen X's. There were fourteen things I liked uh-huh. really, really well in that movie. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, in, in those movies, no idea and? you did this. Why would you do that? That's four. That's that's fourteen in two hundred and sixty-three minutes. Why did you do this? And how many X's because did the Godfather? I mean, we're putting <laughs> we're putting them against it. Like, so we're putting each other against. So, I fit to be fair, I'd give him a score every time I saw something I liked. The Godfather for me came in with a nineteen. Nineteen, really? Woo! Nineteen, nineteen. Yeah, I mean, I took five of Austin Powers for Love Guru. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Mike Myers. Why did you make the Love Guru? Damn it! Yeah, just somebody say no. Oh, come on. Um, but yeah, The Godfather. I mean, one and two is the ultimate trilogy. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, you're totally right though. Like they, they stand, they are the trilogy. Like yeah. that is it. I mean, they're long enough to be a trilogy. <laughs> they're the extended That's versions not negative. of the they're Godfather. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peter Jackson wishes he was Copeland. Honestly, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, you're totally but, right. I mean, like there's there's innovative cinematography. There's like, yeah. So like De Niro really gives a performance that makes you wish he never went into comedy. And, I mean, as far as I go, if it's between Godfather and Austin Powers, I'd have to say, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Take the fucking cannoli, the bitch. Cannoli. You fucking take it. Godfather is moving on, motherfuckers, as it should. We all love God. Everybody hail Austin Powers. Which was we an improvised line, by the way. love it. We all love Austin Powers. We are, once again, just like the Cornetto trilogy, we are not discouraging you from watching those. Have some fucking fun. Get some yeah, laughs in your Yeah, if you need a silly going. laugh, that's, they're perfect. Yeah, but The Godfather, buckle up. You do not need to watch number three. Buckle up and watch number one and number two again or for the first time and give yourself yeah. one of the most incredible cinematic experiences mm. that exists in American cinema. It's still, and I can, it still I can holds tell you, up. Number, like, number one is compelling as fuck mm-hmm. to watch yeah. like i yes. couldn't look away brando is magical yeah um yeah. the structure is like, perfect the a, editing is a, perfect like there's a there's a little do you know about the rivalry with this where uh pacino um actually caused a ruckus over the fact that he was nominated for supporting actor yeah he was so bad screen, even though he should have he's won. on screen from yeah he's on screen for more than marlon brando but brando got nominated for actor right. best actor and deserved it well and then this year and then this year he should have won best supporting actor pacino and he lost to somebody who should have been a lead so it comes back to bite you in the ass there pacino <laughs> it's fucking crazy dude <laughs> it's funny. you're talking about de niro's performance yeah <laughs> yeah we're just we're just praising yeah. the godfather again now that we've decided godfather is moving on godfather uh, is lee, moving lee on. strasberg plays um hyman roth in the second one. Oh so my god yeah and he's wonderful and oh. if anyone who doesn't know he lee strasberg so is a too. yeah He's a very, very famous acting teacher. He was in the group theater. He was a part of the very early teachings of quote the methods. So he was he was an enormous yeah. influence on a Sean lot Penn, of the like, a, 
brilliant yeah, people. So many people. The Actors Studio. Has anyone ever heard of the Actors Studio? He, yeah. He started that. He was one of the founders of that. So anyway, it was wonderful to have him on film in such a wonderful role, wonderful film, opposite wonderful actors. Like, it could not have been better. And um, there's this great quote. I saw it in an interview once, and um, somebody was asking him, because he and De Niro were nominated that year for Supporting Actor. And apparently, after De Niro won, Strasberg was quoted saying, Bobby earned it. You know, he knew. He knew. Hmm. Hyman Roth is incredible, and he did a really wonderful job. And he does have a little... There's something going against him because nobody likes the present day story as much as the flashback. But what De Niro did in number two just elevated that second installment to something as good as the first one. And that's why these movies, that's why we're talking about them the way they are. That's why they will live forever is Mm. because it's almost impossible to make two movies that are as good as each other. And they're both masterpieces. And The Godfather did it. Number one and number two are masterpieces, and I think they will be forever. I think they're timeless. I don't think the Italian mafia romanticism will ever be will ever be trampled on by by the uh, how society feels about them. I think these movies transcend that every time you watch them because they're too specific, they're too personal, the stories are too. They're too uh, relative to all the characters that are going through them. There are no tropes. There are no cliches. Anything that you think are tropes or cliches come from these and movies. And I would say to that, <laughs> The Godfather paved the way for The Sopranos. It paved the way for Goodfellas. It paved the way for The Irishman. It paved the way for Casino. Uh, and probably that style... Paved the way for anyone who used shadows in their cinematography. The, like, anybody who puts yeah. a shadow on their face, like John Say when he directs movies. Uh, um, I do that. I like yeah, that. And, and I would say, with the exception of maybe... Up there with Citizen Kane, as far as like a noir style like whodunit mystery movie with that added just also just like a straightforward drama with a little bit of action sequence i guess that's a lot of things to throw in there but like you you, it's kind of a whodunit because you're kind of deciding like who's who's in on it who's in charge who's doing the hits who's the enemy who's the villain like it's constantly changing throughout the movie and that mystery element mixed with the action and the drama of it it's like besides citizen kane no movie can pull off that genre crossing as much as as godfather it really created its own subgenre of all these other different genres Anything else, Dave? As as a throwback, real fast, as a throwback to Lord of the Rings, once again, Francis Ford Coppola is a wonderful writer, and he wrote a lot of his own stuff. But once again, just like with Lord of the Rings, our number one seat, The Godfather is based on a really incredible book. So the source material Mm -hmm. is there, and you had a really good director who knew how to tell that story. (laughs) Dave, anything else before we bring this home? (laughs) Well, no, no, the only thing I can take away from this is I'm, I'm looking at you now, Jeff, and I, I don't know what's going on with your webcam, but you look like the baby from 2001. Yeah, Do you I disappeared really? oh, from cool. me completely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't see you at all. You're just you're a white glowing, orb dude. floating yeah. in my screen now. I can't see you at all. I, I've been using a lot of lotion. Well, I think that was great. Tune in next week when we talk about Star Wars and the Fast and the Furious. That's right. Star Wars, our three seed up against the Fast oh, and the Furious gonna franchise. Oh, that's going to be a fight. That oh, is going to be a fight. It's all yeah, about I mean, And we're also family. doing the original Star Wars trilogy. We decided to separate all the trilogies uh, for the sake of Star Wars, really. <laughs> but yeah, so the original Star Wars trilogy, I'm separating that franchise. I'm sorry. Um, ah, okay. Oh, wait, we're not doing yeah. all of them? Do you, I thought we decided not to. Oh, no. That wouldn't have been my I three mean, seed. Wait. 
Are we? Are we? Are we doing uh, like we can't do the Fast and Furious franchise and then right. just only three Star Wars? Oh yeah. my god! We okay, might have to shit, do this changes everything for me. We're gonna, we're gonna have to do them all. Listeners, I'm sorry, but we have a lot of movie watching. All right, so the Star Wars episodes one through nine, right? Because we're not gonna count I mean, the spinoffs. So I mean, the the Godfather had Godfather three, and you know, Star Wars gonna have the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all right. one through three. Thank you Fuck so you much sequels. for tuning yep. in. And uh, we'll see you next week with all nine Star Wars, the Star Wars saga against the Fast and the Furious. We have a lot of movie watching to do in the next couple of days. All right, bye, film fans. Yeah, baby! Yeah.